Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Welcome to the Sunny Side Up Report. This is a report that I joined with my friend Johnny Rains, my friend and producer, I should say. Good morning. Uh, do at the beginning of every one of our Divorce Sucks podcasts, where we kind of just keep up a little bit on what's happening in divorce, current articles, stuff like that, that we troll the internet and find. So <laughs> one article that I read this week was um, from Apple News. Ten women share tips from mom about moving on after a breakup. I want to hug mine. This was an elite daily post. And some of I don't know. What did your mom ever tell you about breaking up? You were too good for him anyway, <laughs> I guess. Again, whenever we ask on the interrogatories, you know, what's the piece of advice? This, the piece of advice is this too shall pass. The article talks about goodbye, good riddance. It's really funny when you actually finally tell your mom somebody has either broken up with you or you've broken up with him. And she goes, yeah, I never liked him anyway. And you're like, mom, seriously? (laughs) Goodbye and good riddance. Or let it go. The mom who says, just let it go. Yeah, really? (laughs) Yeah. One of the quotes was, if someone can treat you like that after the time you spend together, then it's not the type of person you want to be with. He put on a good show, but at the end, he showed his true colors. And then there was the mom who advised against self-medicating. Drinking that bottle of wine may help you right now, but it's not really a Band-Aid. It's just delaying the pain. I love Miranda Lambert's uh, song about Not My Mother's Breakdown. I don't know that song. Is that a country song? It's Are you a listening song. to a lot of country these days? Not Miranda Lambert. I will listen to her any day of the week. She knows how to write a lyric. There was the mom who discouraged dwelling on it, who said, Don't let life pass you by by wallowing in sorrow. It's too short, meaning life, not the sorrow. (laughs) Another thing that we are talking about today is the most common personality traits that lead to divorce. This is from our friends at Fatherly. And catastrophizing is one of the top uh, personality traits that lead to divorce. When one partner tends to take a little incident and blow it out of proportion, it can slowly wear away the marriage. Uh, Yeah. Also, materialism. Um, argument avoidance, again, as we always tell, talk, 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 communicate. Disagreements are essential for a marriage, Fatherly tells us. A fragile ego, a.k.a. insecurity. Narcissism. Mm. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that could ruin a relationship. Exactly. Uh, what else you got, Johnny? You want to tell us about the Dine and Dash guy? Oh, well, I've, you know, I've been following him yes. for weeks now. Yes. Um, and I heard some of the girls that he dined and dashed on talk about how humiliated they were um, at his trial. And, I mean, I think guys right now, and I mean, believe me, listen, I'm no spokesperson for the straight white male. Um, (laughs) Really? Surprise, (laughs) surprise, audience. Um, However, I must say that this guy is giving guys a bad rap right now. Well, tell us what he did. I don't don't know that our listeners are aware of, besides just being the Dine and Dash guy. So this guy would meet chicks on dating apps, and they would have text messages back and forth and set up these dates and go to these fancy restaurants. And he was kind of a charmer and a romantic. So the girls actually believed that they, they, you know, this was like going to lead to a second date. And actually it led to them paying the bill. Oh, there were like 10 different women that he allegedly did this to. He had his preliminary hearing in Pasadena a a week ago. um, And uh, there were like 
at least six of the women there testifying about their dates from hell with the fast-talking, <laughs> wine-guzzling, alleged serial tab skipper. I like it. <laughs> not 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 a good way to enter back into the dating realm. No, no, definitely not. And like I said, I mean, white guys are getting enough of a bad rap nowadays, and we can just add this to the list. Yes, listeners, the Dine and Dash guy was a white guy. Licensed marriage and family therapist Bree Callahan and Jamie DeWitt are joining us in the studio today. And they can help us understand a little bit more about how to make the breakup process therapeutically manageable, how to get through it in a way that can help you getting the support that you need from a counselor, sometimes even being able to save the marriage as a result of real and necessary communication. That's the It's Over Easy Sunny Side Up Report. Do you find yourself distracted, forgetting things, making mistakes at work? A quality night's sleep makes all the difference. The right mattress is the difference between resting and just laying down. The Lisa mattress is the product of more than 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing, comprised of three foam layers that provide cooling pressure, relief, body contouring, and support. Over 300,000 happy Lisa sleepers agree the Lisa mattress gives them the rest they need. Order your Lisa mattress online at lisa.com slash Laura with promo code Laura and try it risk-free for 100 nights. It ships direct to your door in a convenient box with free shipping and free returns. Find the right mattress for you at lisa.com slash Laura and get the rest you need tonight. Get up to $160 off the Lisa mattress or $235 off the luxury Sapira mattress and free shipping on the Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash Laura and enter promo code Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at checkout. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash Laura, promo code Laura. Try it today. You'll get a great night's sleep, I assure you. Today's episode of Divorce Sucks is about the psychology of divorce and the evolution of dissolution. One of the reasons we created It's Over Easy is to afford people with the opportunity to learn new ways of dealing with what's generally one of the crappiest times in a person's life. And doing that when you're of sound mind, literally, is super important. We're in the studio today with two licensed marriage and family therapists, Bree Callahan, who specializes in guiding individuals and couples through major life transitions, including divorce, and Jamie DeWitt, who has expertise providing therapy to clients dealing with anxiety, parenting, and life transitions, which, as we all know, often include divorce. Jamie also practices EFT couples therapy. EFT stands for Emotionally Focused Therapy, and it's a treatment approach we'll hear more about in today's conversation. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi. Thank you. It's great to be here. Just so that those of you listening know, last week, uh, Jamie and Bree and I hosted a evolution of dissolution kind of therapist salon. And we had lots of young therapists come talk about some of the issues we're talking about today, again, because we all feel that it's really, really important for people to educate themselves, learn about the divorce process. And of course, one of the most important parts of that process is kind of getting through this transitional time with some emotional wellness. So tell us a little bit, um, Bree, start with um, some something that made you want to go into this field. Yeah, so um, I always knew that I wanted to be a therapist. It took me a while to get to this place. Um, I worked in entertainment for 10 years before I ended up going to grad school. And while I was going through grad school, my parents divorced after 35 years of marriage. And I kind of saw grad school through the lens of their divorce Mm -hmm. and really got through the process of their divorce through grad school. And, um, you know, it was a fragile emotional time for the whole family because, you know, they, they, after 35 years together, separated in a pretty ugly way um, and really fell into hate with each other. And, you know, they, they also employed some, some very difficult tactics that I think a lot of couples do um, when they're getting divorced, and including triangulation, where they, they sort of tried to get my brother and I to side with one of them at a time, and we both ended up feeling pretty alienated. We, and you were both adults at that time. I mean, yeah. over 18. Yeah, we were As both adult adults. as you can be in your late, late teens and 20s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Jamie? I think I had an inkling that I wanted to be a therapist, However, my mom is a psychologist, 
So as I was going through college, I thought, you know, I'll never do it. My mom does. I feel you. I've been there. <laughs> I had a feeling you could relate. <laughs> so I strayed and I, like Brie, went into entertainment for about 14 years and um, and then recognized just through the work that I was doing that that really was my calling. And I think I, too, uh, was impacted by my parents' divorce. Um, opposite of Brie, my parents separated when I was one and then divorced when I was two. At the time, I was living in Chicago. I was born in Chicago with my dad. And so my dad stayed in Chicago. My mom went back to Michigan, where she's from. So not only did my parents have an incredibly complicated custody arrangement with, I have an older brother, with both of us going back and forth from state to state Mm. at very young ages, um, but also they had a very hostile dynamic and relationship with each other. So that was very uh, painful and traumatic for my brother and I growing up. So I bring that awareness to the couples therapy work that I do. And I think it makes me more empathic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, as all three of us have discussed, it gives us a really good um, basis for wanting to change how people look at it so that we don't do this to our children, so that our children don't do it to their children. Um, As I told you guys last week, I had a very opposite experience. My parents split up somewhere in between being one and being in grad school, I was a, a teen, and they did it in the most respectful, amicable way. I think that is, again, because they, one part of it is my dad had been doing this field of law for years, but they're right. both attorneys, they both knew the law, but I think at their core, they both had really a great deal of respect and love for each other, and because I saw them do it that way, it's much easier for me to bring that into my practice and be able to say to people, I know it's possible. I've done it. I've seen it. And and, and can't we get there? And I think the first step is really ha- having this conversation, letting people know, hey, we did. We watched our parents do it the bad way. We want to show you how to do it the good way. Or I watched my parents do it the good way, and I want to teach other people how to do it the good way because it, en- it enables us to continue talking about it, continue teaching. It's Over Easy is the one-stop total breakup and divorce resource online. We're building a community of people who know divorce is happening and who want to find a better way of doing it. This is what we call the evolution of dissolution. We spoke about this Sunday at It's Over Easy's first educational salon, which was held at the beautiful home of Mary and Roger Cumble. Mary is the director of business development and brand collaboration at It's Over Easy. She's also a great friend and neighbor of mine. Divorce trends in this day and age vis-a-vis mental health. I'm going to turn it over to you, ladies. Tell us some of the things that you're seeing that maybe were not happening in terms of divorce and people in your field helping folks through it. 10, 15, 20 years ago? First of all, I think there is a greater uh, awareness and trend towards people when they are in distress in their relationship going to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. I think just overall therapy is more accepted and becoming the norm um, when people are feeling uh, disconnected. So that is very encouraging. And then within that, kind of a a subcategory of that is people working to consciously uncouple, you know, which has become a very uh, popular idea and phrase. Um, Yeah, and more and more we're seeing in our practices these people who want to do things differently, mm -hmm. more thoughtfully, more consciously, with greater ease, and coming out of the divorce still being friendly or friends with each other. And how do you guys help them? I think communication is so key. So being able to do it in a room with a third party there, one of the things, I don't know if it was one or both of you told me the other day, is you really help give people the tools, learn the tools to be able to communicate, whether they're figuring out a way to reconcile or whether they're figuring out a way to go on different paths but continue co-parenting or being a partnership in some kind of an asset that they have together. How do you help them you know, learn, get those tools to be able to better communicate? So some of that is really fundamental stuff, right, that you figure out when you're sitting with a couple. You know, if they didn't get that type of uh, awareness and those tools when they were children, they're not going to have them with each other in a couple, right? Right. So some of it is just really the basics of, like, slow down. Right. What did your your partner just say to you? Because – inevitably you're going to hear something differently than what the other person said, right? And that's just where you can get off course. 
from the get-go. Right. So you really want to help people say, like, what did you hear and then what did you mean? Right. You know, just those basics. Like, if you can get a couple to do that in the first couple sessions, they're going to de-escalate and start to reconnect. You know, and then it obviously gets more complex from there depending on what their core issues are with each other. Right. But that's sort of, I found, right, Bree, one of the basics? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would just, you know, kind of dovetail on that and say empathy, empathy, empathy. Yeah. If you can empathize with your partner where they're coming from, try to put yourself in their shoes and then respond, you're going to have a totally different response yes. than if you stay in empathy for yourself and what you're going through. And do you feel that so many people come at this transition from a place of fear? Yes. Oh, yeah. We talked about that mm-hmm. on Sunday, and that was a big through line for a lot of the therapists who were there talking about you know, what they had noticed and um, personally experienced, too, that there is so much fear surrounding divorce, fear about what's going to happen to me, Um, what's my life going to look like, am I going to be okay without this person, either emotionally or financially. Right, and I think what, you know, I think a lot of us can relate to this. Like, what triggers that fear is that feeling that we all get, which is that fight or flight, right? right? Like, all of a sudden, I'm feeling a sense of potential danger, you know? And so then, just physiologically, we go into this state of panic, you know, again, to what Bree is saying. Like, will I be okay? How am I going to survive? How am I going to take care of And we touched on that, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of our talk on Sunday of if both people can, can just calm down and be able to recognize like what's the greater good here you know how we both fell in love for a reason like we were both conscious hopefully (laughs) (laughs) hopefully when we made this decision to get married i always say it's much better to consciously uncouple than it is to unconsciously couple (laughs) it's more like a college date rape type of thing but yeah (laughs) exactly vegas but (laughs) but right exactly so if if we can get back to that root of like listen we made a choice to do this and so now let's let's de-escalate from that state of fear and think about what's the greater good for both of us you know how can we take care of ourselves and when there's children involved the children and then we can get that foundation of safety to be able to do this right and to follow up on what Brie was saying about like the empathy if you can really say to your spouse I want you to know I got your back I mean we have kids together I am always going to make sure that you have time with them and that they understand you and whatever. And if whoever the breadwinner says, look, I've I've got your back. I'm always going to make sure you're the parent of my children. I'm going to make sure you're okay financially. Do you remember this scene in Crazy Stupid Love where Steve Carell goes over to her house and he's making sure that the lawn is mowed and the sprinklers are on and all that? I love that scene. And even if they weren't going to get back together, spoiler alert, they do. (laughs) But even if they weren't, it was kind of like, this is my family. This is the family residence. I know everything that goes on here. I want to be able to still help out. To me, as a family law practitioner sitting in the audience when I first saw that movie, I was like, that's what it's all about. It's, yeah. it's about really still being part of this team. Yeah, It's true. And I think we, we also talked on Sunday about something huge that can de-escalate fear in the beginning, which is um, knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Orienting your nervous system and your emotional system around what's going to happen to me, it's everything. And again, that's why we created content on Over Easy. That's why we're having the divorce podcast Mm -hmm. conversations about it. I want people to know what there is to expect. You know the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting? So this is what to expect when you're divorcing. And of course, everybody has different experiences. But as you're saying, even what happens to you physiologically, there's so much on there about mind and body wellness. Look, you may need to up your workouts. You may need to mm-hmm. up your massage. If you can you know, carve out some extra money to do what you need to do for yourself so that you can be strong in mind and body as you go through this process. And then educate yourself. Talk to other people about their experience, read about the law, get an idea of what to expect. On that same note, I'm sure a lot of couples come to you in counseling and one or both may say, how do I know it's time? How do I know? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I've started practicing a type of counseling called discernment counseling with those exact kind of couples. And usually there's one leaning out partner and one leaning in partner in most couples who are kind of on the brink. Mm -hmm. Um, And in those cases, just embarking on couples counseling right off the bat is going to be really problematic because you spend most of your time convincing the leaning out partner to come in and do the work and to, to make the changes they need to make on themselves to make the relationship better and to make it last. So in discernment counseling, we really um, help them decide with clarity and confidence that this is the right decision. And there's three paths they can choose. They can choose divorce. They can choose to stay together but not be quite ready for couples counseling yet. Or they can choose couples counseling. And with the with the hope that they will stay together, and you know, after six months or so of couples counseling, seeing can we reconcile? Can we make this work? Is this something I want to reembark on with you? How long does the discernment therapy usually take before you pick one of those three paths? Yeah, so it's really short. It's it's really only one to five sessions, and you decide at the end of every session together whether you want to have another session. Got it. And it can be hard, you know, especially when the leaning out partner decides after the first session, like, this is really She's what I want. going to continue to lean right out <laughs> yes, the door. <laughs> yes. And then, and then you, you go to closure counseling with, with both, but ideally the leaning in partner gets some good closure counseling right. with someone else who they can continue with after the divorce. I like that closure counseling. I have yeah. some people that could use that. And Jamie, tell us a little bit about EFT. Sure. Please. So the way EFT can be really helpful for couples uh, and individuals to figure out, you know, are do they think that they're ready to separate? Is So EFT therapy is based in attachment theory. So to give you like the really brief lowdown on it, attachment theory is um, do you, are you someone who has a secure attachment style, meaning like from the moment of infancy through childhood, did you feel that your needs and your wants were attuned to appropriately? Enough so that you have this sense of safety mm-hmm. and security so that when you go out into the world and you have other relationships, you know, than your family, you know, your core, your parents, do you feel a sense of safety? Do you feel um, confident? So in that sense, then you feel securely attached, right? And And then you're better equipped to attach with somebody as a spouse. As a spouse. But it also transcends into every relationship, whether it's friends, coworkers, right? And obviously your intimate partner. If you have an insecure style of attachment, right, you're going to feel anxiety. And so that means that you didn't feel, again, consciously or unconsciously, that your needs and wants were appropriately met starting again in infancy. So you're going to have anxiety when it comes to those relationships, whether with an intimate partner, coworkers, or friends. Right. So with EFT, when you're in the room with a couple, you really want them to be able to become aware of what is my attachment style. So when they come in, usually, right, people are, are in high conflict and stress. That's when they're coming in. Unfortunately, they're not coming in because everything is working and they're feeling awesome. Right. So it's not just about the the concrete things that they're coming in to talk about, right? It's not about, it's never about the, you didn't do the dishes, you didn't take out the trash, how come the bills weren't paid? It's never about that. What it is is you want to get couples to get underneath those topics right. and get to their real core feelings and thoughts, which will then trigger their attachment wounds. Right. And then they can look at one another and understand, oh, look, that's how I'm triggering this person. Right. You didn't do the dishes, therefore we're not properly attached. You don't love me and you're going to leave me. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't matter to you. Right. What it really comes down to is like... I'm not being seen. I'm not being seen. I don't matter. I feel rejected. And so when each person can recognize that in themselves and with the other person, if they can, as Bree was saying, find empathy for the other person... They can heal and they can start to repair when they can't. When one or both people cannot recognize that and find that empathy, it becomes pretty apparent that it's not going to work. It's not going to work. One question I have Do you find that couples more generally are drawn to each other where one has kind of healthy attachment and the other doesn't? Both are healthy or both are unhealthy? I would imagine that's kind of codependent relationships, both unhealthy. Is there kind of a a greater in one or do, and can you tell as soon as they come in which is which you know you can tell pretty early on and what i have been finding is usually 
there's a lot of opposites attract yeah. out there. There's and, a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty startling, like how many opposites attract. Well, is that because then there's kind of one person that had very healthy attachments growing up, their parents must have done something right or whatever, and then they kind of attract the person that doesn't and they're the caretaker? Well, sort of how I like to explain it to couples is, is you know, we all have a certain level of dysfunction, right? Yes. We all do. And that's okay. Like some I, are larger than yeah, others. Some are, <laughs> some are more grand, right? But so what happens is what I try to explain to couples is, listen, of course you were attracted to each other because there was that spark, desire, passion. Amazing. But you're also attracted to each other, and that's what we're going to get to the root of in, in our couples therapy, because you triggered each other. So it's sort of that idea of the moth to the flame. Right. You know? So not only was it that spark of attraction, but it was also that spark of, ooh, you know how to poke my old wound. Right. Either so, you're going to try to take care of me or you're going to, I'm the broken bird or I'm going to be able to nurture you. Right. And the amazing thing, right, is when it works, you guys really help each other heal and you repair those old childhood wounds. When it doesn't work together, it's a bloody mess. <laughs> yeah, it's just you like, end up in Laura's office. <laughs> it's, like, it's like kids playing around in the mud with each other, just recreating their childhood wounds over and over and over again. Yeah. Now, just for the two of you personally, what does that do for you guys? People ask me all the time, oh, does being a divorce lawyer kind of ruin your you know, faith and romance and marriage and all that? And I'm like, no, not really. By the time they get to me, they're there. How about you guys? You're watching it happen. Mm-hmm. How does it affect you personally? You know, it, it helps to keep me in check, I will say. It doesn't it doesn't ruin marriage for me. I absolutely believe in marriage. I believe in long-term relationships. And I also believe there's people for whom that doesn't work mm-hmm. or who don't need that or want that, and that's okay. But I think seeing this stuff play out in my office, um, it's it, it keeps me in check. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a I, human being too, and I see, I see, you know, people doing things in their relationship that's so destructive, and it's a good reminder for me every day of how to check in with my partner and how to show up emotionally for him so that we can keep being together. Yeah, I think also it helps me be a better parent. Yeah. You know, like when I see how couples are and what people are uh, really wrestling and struggling with, it not only brings that greater sense of empathy, like, it's just hard. Yeah? <laughs> it's really hard. Like, what we're all trying to do is really challenging on a day-to-day basis. Yes. So, like, when you can get that nice sort of stride, and <laughs> you can just ride it, ride it. Right. And when not, just you got to have compassion for yourself and for the people in your life and how to, for me, really, like, how to for my partner and I to check each other, but also how to be good to my kids. No, totally agree. And my kids, it's really interesting because they've said to me before, you know, mom, you, you have both of us and we have two different dads and you have your job and now you have it's over easy in the podcast. And I said, yeah, it's kind of like riding a unicycle and, you know, juggling plates. And the other day at the end of one of the things I was doing when I was kind of in between changing clothes, coming home, my 13 year old, he came into my bathroom and I kind of just had my head in, the hands, in my hands and he said, Plates are dropping, aren't they? <laughs> I said, yeah. How in tune They're he dropping. is with you. He's very in tune. For better or for worse, very in tune. Mm. The last thing some people think about when they're going through a breakup is themselves. And then sometimes we're all we can think about. The key to navigating a breakup, whether you're using a modern method like divorcing online, it's over easy, or you're hiring a firm like Wasser, Cooperman, and Mandels to represent you in a high conflict dissolution, you need to know it's not the end of the world. Some days suck, and some days are better than others. Being mentally fit helps you make better choices. I sometimes tell clients, you know, going to the gym is like going to therapy. If you can afford to carve out an hour a week to get into a room with a mental health professional, it's as, if not more important than your morning workout at the gym. It keeps your mind and heart and psyche fit, and so if you can afford it, do it. And if you can't afford it, figure out a way to afford it. That's how important it is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We both agree. Yeah. In terms of people being able to, especially if you decide that you're going to separate, right? And you're going to go through a divorce. It is really, really essential for each of you to be able to then branch off and have your own support family and also a therapist right to go into your own individual therapy because inevitably you're gonna feel grief because it is a massive loss um so and and the other part of that is just being able to come in each week if you can afford it 
And just allow your mind to just unload. I call it regurgitation. <laughs> just throwing up, vomiting whatever it is that you're feeling in a safe kind right. of atmosphere. Right, because you gotta you got to get out of the spiral. And so to be able to feel safely contained with that therapist, and of course you have to feel a connection with that person, to be able to do that, even if it's not conscious, you will leave that office each week feeling lighter, and more relieved and more grounded, you know, and that's going to help you process through the grief. You talk about being able to afford, I, I just want to point out that there are lots of places that people can get free therapy. So, I'd love to talk about that if that's Please, okay. So yeah. it's important for people to know whatever city they're in, there is likely a community mental health center um, or a community counseling clinic. And those are two terms that you can Google and look for sliding scale fee services. And I really think, you know, in L.A., there's so many. There's mm-hmm. the Maple Counseling Center. There's Southern California Counseling Center, the Saturday Center. Um, and they provide wonderful services to the community and make it so that everyone truly can afford to come to therapy. So yeah, there's no excuse. Yeah, and most therapists, if you ask, you know, will we'll have a certain portion, whatever that is, of their practice that they will slide. Right. You know, and I would just like to say that this does not happen with attorneys. So those of you who <laughs> like to treat your attorneys like your therapists, we don't do that so much. Not a lot of pro bono sliding scale happening with us. Your therapist community, absolutely, much softer touch, willing to do it. Um, and one question I have for you ladies, how do you know if you've found a good fit for a therapist? I mean, you know, you see in the movies, there's the person that's sitting on the chair behind the couch and they're kind of thinking about other things. Are, are, are we supposed to be being asked questions in therapy? Like, how does that feel? How does that? How do you know if it's a good fit? I would say shop around, mm-hmm. and that's not something people talk about a lot. You know, maybe meet with two or three therapists and ask yourself when you're sitting on their couch, "Do I feel safe? Mm-hmm. Do I feel listened to? Do I feel understood? Do I feel cared for?" And if the answer is no to any of those questions, pick someone else. It has to be a good relational fit. That's Research shows that that's the number one determining factor for efficacy in therapy is, do I feel connected with this therapist? Right. I think that goes to, Laura, what you're also saying about stylistically, mm-hmm. right? So I will always say to a new client when they call me, now that we've talked on the phone, please come in for an initial session and let's just sit together and, you know, you want to see what it feels like to be in the room with me because you're going to get a sense of what my style is, right? Because my style is going to be different slightly than Bree's style, than the next person's, you know? And so, and I, and I want to get a, a greater sense of what is bringing you in. And so at the end of that initial session, I will always check in with a client or a couple and say, you know, um, so how did that feel? You know, let me know. And, and and they really, you can get a good sense at the end of that first session if you want to come back. Because like Bree said, you feel safe, you feel right. contained, and you like the way that person is in the room with you asking questions, sitting quietly, listening. Do you ever say to people, either a couple or a single person, this isn't a good fit? I think you need to go elsewhere. Yes, absolutely. And what would be the triggers for that for you? Um, If they're they're coming in to deal with an issue that I don't specialize in, Mm -hmm. um, I would absolutely refer to a colleague who does, who can provide better care for them. Or, um, you know, in certain cases, I know therapists who will refer out if there's a personal issue that they're going through and they can't handle it right now. You know, if they've just had a miscarriage and a client comes in wanting to process a miscarriage, that may be too much for them. So they might refer to a colleague even for a short time. Right. And also, if you if you talk to the to the client ahead of time on the phone. You're going to do some screening. So you're also going to recognize, is there a presenting issue that is, you know, not my specialty right. that I'm going to refer out to right. somebody, you know, or is it a, or is it something that also that's very sensitive at this moment I'm going to refer out? Or is there also a personal connection Right, you have to refer out? Yes. And, and on that same kind of level of ethics in your field, what about secrets? What about when you're seeing a couple and one or the other calls you and says... I know I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm doing this therapy, but I'm leaning way out because I'm totally am in a relationship with someone else. Or I think I may want to kind of pull the trigger on this divorce thing. Tell us how you, as the therapist, handle that. So when I work with a couple uh, in that first session, I make it very clear what my policy is with confidentiality because that's okay. what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And listen. 
there are couples therapists who have varying degrees of this, you know, who hold secrets, who don't. I make it very clear this is how I work, that I do not hold secrets between the partners. And I'm the same. Yeah. And so what that means is that, you know, there's full transparency because I think that's, that creates safety and that's what each person needs right now. And there's so much disconnection at this point that they're sitting on your couch that they need to feel that you're also going to be a safe container for them. So if, in fact, somebody does call and leaves you that message, you know, you're like, holy shit. No, just kidding. Um, you know, you're going to say to that person, listen, you know, we're going to come back together and we're going to have our session next week. And I'm going to help you and encourage you to talk about this in the room. So you're going to hold their hand and guide them to, to reveal that piece of information. Do you agree, Brie? I do. And when you've talked about it in the beginning, they know what to expect. So mm-hmm. with every couple during the first meeting, I will say that. You know, I don't hold secrets. If you want to call me and talk about something, we can. But I will encourage you to bring it into the room during our next session. So if there is a couple and they've been in counseling with you for, for however long, and one calls and says, at our next session, I really do think I want to kind of make the announcement that I want to separate. You guys are able to help with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I, I, I will often tell couples, you may want to get in a room with somebody else. It will not only enable your spouse to kind of have a safe place to hear it and maybe somebody else to give some feedback about it. It will also probably avoid you getting a glass of wine thrown in your face or <laughs> some kind of an embarrassing movie situation happening. Absolutely. There's right. containment there. Mm-hmm. There's support for both parties. Right, and because sometimes also as a couple therapist, you are a facilitator and a mediator. Right, right, yes. And you do play that role sometimes. So, and and as Bree said, if you are upfront with what your confidentiality policy is, then there's no surprises. Right, right. You know, they know if they want someone to hold secrets, they'll find a different therapist. Right. You know. Yeah, and going back to the healing after divorce, if that's okay, just sure. like another little little piece is. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, if they've either been in a codependent relationship where they're really enmeshed or if they've been in a relationship for a super long time, they can kind of become, not everyone, but they can become stagnant in personal growth. Mm-hmm. And so post-divorce in therapy individually can be a really wonderful time for redefining and rediscovering who you are and to grow. And I think just on that note, like you were saying, Laura, in terms of exercise, you know, that's where if you can have somebody create a program for themselves that they're right. only because they, you do get lost in in the chaos of the demise of your relationship. So being able to exercise and get those natural endorphins so that you can regain some of your self-esteem, you know, not only through the therapy, but through just feeling physically stronger. Right. You know, is so essential. I tell people I'm like, if there's one thing you can do. Please try starting an exercise routine again. Absolutely. And what that tells your body is, I'm not afraid. Right. I can jog this Chardonnay right off. <laughs> and then I can have another glass. And tonight. then I can have another one. Right. Well, again, and, and Bree and Jamie are both listed on our It's Over Easy Index, as are many health and wellness fitness trainers, dietitians, stylists, people who can really help you do what you need to do physically and emotionally to feel good going through this. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 television channels and thousands of movies on demand and completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. Are you getting that it's free? What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. Everyone's favorite Orange County power couple is back. Yay! So excited! 
exciting. It's- Congratulations to Heather and Terry Dubrow for the release of their latest book, The Dubrow Diet. Available at Amazon.com and everywhere else books are sold. I know. I think people are really going to like it. So I'm very much looking forward to that. For more quality advice, check out Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig every Tuesday and Heather Dubrow's World every Thursday and Friday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Laura Wasser, welcome back to the Divorce Sucks Podcast. Today I'm here with Brie Callahan and Jamie DeWitt, and we are talking about therapy, couples counseling, keeping emotionally healthy both leading up to and during and then after a split. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, I have found in the last 10, 15 years, there's like trends that go on like in terms of mental health or diagnoses. I have people that come in and say to me, well, you know my husband is a psychopath. And then about five years ago, it switched to, oh, you know she's bipolar. And then now it's, well, <laughs> he's a narcissist. And I say to them, have they been diagnosed or are you just diagnosing them? Are we just talking shit about your spouse or is this really something that we're talking about here? Because there is a difference. I've had judicial officers say, to you know litigants you just told me that he has ocd does that just mean that he's really organized and he gets upset that you don't put the toothpaste cap back on the tube or has he actually been diagnosed with ocd and for furthermore i don't know that it matters because there's perfectly good parents who have ocd do you guys and i know that you guys will diagnose but when you're in there and somebody throws out something like that do you say whoa 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 whoa, 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 wait a minute let's talk about that absolutely Mm -hmm. and i i love to look at the symptomology behind the label, mm-hmm. instead of just labeling someone, then you've written them off. Right. You've written them off as a narcissist. You've written them off as bipolar. You're not actually seeing the person behind the label. Let's look at how their behavior impacts you. Are they putting themselves first and not thinking about their kids? Because a narcissist could do that. Let's talk about the behavior and how right. we can work on that. As opposed to self-diagnosing well, or diagnosing it, a spouse. It's yeah. othering. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it's I'm better than them, and this is their problem. And we're When not they actually... fix it, maybe we can work things exactly. out. But until then, not so much. No. Right. Right. And it's also, I mean, I think something we didn't touch on is it's also shaming. Yes. Right? And listen, I mean, a real diagnosis, is, inc- as we all know, is incredibly serious and can, can really wreak havoc and chaos in a relationship. But otherwise, we have to be very thoughtful of how we label one another uh, in our relationships um, because that can cause tremendous shame for each partner. This is the time in our podcast where we pull a question from social media. So here it is. We have a question from one of our Facebook uh, friends. What should you do if your spouse refuses to go to couples counseling? I would say it's impossible to do couples counseling if one partner is not invested and doesn't want to come. So one of the questions I'll ask on my screening phone calls with couples is, do both of you want to do this? And if the answer is no, you know, he or she is not super into it, but they said they'd do it just to placate me, um, I would lead them towards something like discernment counseling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they can, they can make the decision whether they're going to buy in or opt out. How about you, Jamie? I would say then you should tell your spouse that you're going to get divorced. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I actually was with you on that. Okay, I'm out. Fine, yeah. I'm out. Peace out. No, I agree with Bree. I think you have you have both people have to buy in. So I would tell the person, you know, um, it's it's going to not be useful for you to come in if this person is really resistant and re- and resentful for coming. So um, either do a discernment therapy or, you know, do you have an individual therapist that you can talk about it with? And then, you know, you're going to have to revisit it because if they're coming in and you're dragging them, it's just not going to be beneficial to either person. How often do you guys kind of coordinate or speak with other therapists? For example, one or both of them is seeing somebody separately, and then as a couples counselor, you speak with with one or both of those people, or maybe everybody gets in a room together. Does that happen? It does. And when it's appropriate, I will speak to an individual's couples counselor or vice versa. Mm -hmm. We have to have signed releases, obviously, and the client has to want it to happen, and there has to be a benefit to doing it. But it can be tremendously helpful to sort of shepherd towards a common goal together and to make sure you're on the same page. And are we actually working on this or is this what we're talking about? And um, to help you two move forward together. Yeah, and to give you more clarity. I mean, usually there's something presenting in the room 
whether you're the individual therapist or the couples therapist. And what I love is Bree and I do collaborate with each other. We we have had opportunities where we do consult. Um, and usually because there's a presenting uh, issue that comes up, and then it just helps move the therapy forward. But again, you have to have the legal releases, and you have to have both people, whether it's the couple or the individual, agree that this would be something that they want. How often, if ever, do you guys work with children's therapists? I mean, if there's co-parenting issues, do you ever get the child's therapist involved as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think especially if you're working, if the couple's working with like a co-parenting coach, right. it can be really helpful to have a consult with that person before they go in. Oh, that, and, and there are co-parenting coaches that you guys <clears throat> refer to and know of as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can actually be a really helpful resource too because this is a person who's not a couples therapist. Sometimes they are, but in this context, they're just a coach right. and they're just focusing on what are we going to do together as parents for our children? Right. It's not as much about their personal adult emotions right. in that moment. That's something for the couple's therapy or their individual therapy if that's where they're at in the post-divorce process. So you can you can really get a lot of good work done just focusing on the co-parenting. Right. Yeah, and as, as the couple's therapist, it can be helpful, obviously, if you see things coming up and you're still working with the couple for the closure therapy that Bree referred to. To, to consult at times with the co-parenting coach, right, because you're going to see just certain things that come up in your room that could be pertinent and help them in terms of the benefit of the children. What happens if you're in that situation and your colleague, who you may not have known before, maybe you did know before, just is completely whack, like just saying totally the wrong thing in your opinion? How do you deal with that diplomatically and not completely blow up the entire therapeutic process? <sighs> Uh, Has that happened God, before? Thank God it doesn't happen with Bree and I. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it, I, in my experience, it hasn't happened very often. And I think once you have a network of people who you refer to, you refer people to, to people you trust. Um, but, you know, every once in a while it comes to our attention that there's something going on with the other therapist, whether it's a boundary violation or some unethical behavior going on. And based on our code of ethics as therapists, we're mandated to kind of talk to the other therapist about what we're seeing and what we're hearing. And Outside of the room. Out, yes. Oh, absolutely. With, with the clients. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, to have a consult with them and to say, you know what, I'm noticing this. Have you? Are you aware that this is going on? And are you aware me? that you were making out with your patient <laughs> while we were in the group session? Well, yeah, I mean, that. hopefully that is never happening. But... Yeah. If you've listened to the show before, you know what's coming. And for those of you who are new to Divorce Sucks, my day job is being an attorney. And among the many things we attorneys do, interrogating people is one of them. Don't worry. This will be fun. This is the stage where we ask the interrogatories. So our four Divorce Sucks interrogatories are as follows. The first one being Bree and Jamie, one at a time. Are you married, single, divorced? Tell us. I am married. Ever been divorced? Never been divorced. Jamie? I am married and have never been divorced. Nice. Okay. And first, Jamie, what is your favorite breakup song? I love this question. I actually <laughs> I have listened to mm-hmm. all of your episodes. <laughs> Thank and you. I love them. Um, so I was preparing myself. Okay, so can I, do I have to pick one? You have to sing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can give us a couple. You'll lose. You'll lose listenership um, if I sing. Okay, so The Way We Were. Steve By Barbara Streisand. Of course. I, I just can't. <laughs> I mean, um, Hello. Okay. By Lionel Richie. Oh, Adele. Oh, that hello. Okay. That hello. Right. Yes. I know. The Lionel Richie's. I'm older than you. No, that's no, where no, I no. Go I, there. I know. I can still picture that music video. Um, hello by Adele mm-hmm. um, is another great one. Uh, I think those might be my two top ones. I'm going to add on to that, Adele Chain, and say someone like you. Mm-hmm. I was in choir growing up, and I just love getting in the car and, like, belting things out of the top of my lungs. I can always belt that one Did out. Did you hear her James Corden car pull karaoke? Yes. yes. So they were good. amazing. And I have one, one more. One okay. more. Okay. Um, it's a real therapy kind of choice. Um, Jenny Lewis sings a song called She's Not Me, and it was on her last album. And the, the chorus goes, she's not me, she's easy. 
Mm. And you listen to the lyrics, and it's got a double entendre because she's talking about, yeah, she's easy, I'm better, she's not me. But when you really listen to it, she's talking about how difficult she is oh. and how hard it probably is to be in relationship with her. So she has empathy for her former partner in that moment. And she's saying, I get it. I'm not easy. You're wow. pro- you probably found someone who works better with you. Oh, wait, I have one more. That's very open-minded of you. I don't know that I would have thought that. <laughs> I have one more. I will survive. Yes, of course. I mean, you just kind of have to. You got to. Yeah. You got to. If you guys are going through a breakup there when this podcast is over, find one of those, turn it up very loudly in your car and belt along. I think that would definitely help. What would you say to a friend of yours who's not necessarily a patient or client that was going through a breakup? This is over the Chardonnay, not so much in your office. Right. I would say it won't always feel this way. Mm-hmm. In two shall weeks, pass. in three weeks, in four weeks, it's going to feel different, and it's going to feel better and better and better. It's not you. It's him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Because um, it's over the Chardonnay, right? Um, no, I would say, I never liked him. I know. You know, he really... No. Um, I would say that be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Be kind to yourself. You know, that you just have to take this one day at a time and be gentle and try not to place blame or fault. That is another thing, is, is so many of us, are, you know... In, turn it on ourselves and go down that spiral of like what did I do you know and you just have to shut that down right because it is it, what it is It is, and it takes two people mm-hmm. and just to recognize that and be good to yourself and then piggybacking off Brie like this too shall pass it'll get easier favorite rom-coms Ugh, for me it's love actually mm-hmm. I can watch it any time of the year and I am a type of person who takes Christmas decorations down on the 26th but I can watch love actually any time of the year love it so good when Harry met Sally yes we get that a lot in Do here you yes the, I, I just really it's a good one yeah and at the beginning and end and throughout where they have the couples the real couples who are like I snuck into her village <laughs> <laughs> she looked very nice to me right. <laughs> exactly so we were here today on the Divorce Sucks podcast with therapists Bree Callahan and Jamie DeWitt, and they are MA and LMFTs. And uh, if you go to our website, you will find all of their contact information, but also tell us, Bree, real quick, in case anybody wants to reach you and tune in for some more of your insights. Yes, so this is Bree Callahan, and to reach me, you can go to com. And you can find information about my practice and how to reach me. And I'm Jamie DeWitt, and you can find me at jamieshankdewitt.com, and you'll have my email there and my phone number and my office location. Um, and thank you again, Laura. This oh, was We love it. We love having you guys. It is so interesting to hear about this stuff and get the insights of people that are on the, motion, on the emotional side of it all. And hopefully, Bree and Jamie will both be contributors on the It's Over Easy blog, so you can read what they write to us from there. We'll be back next week with more laughs. But the thing I want you all to know, and this is something anyone under 40 should pay very close attention to, before you cast your lot with someone until, allegedly, death do you part, talk about about stuff that's not sexy and then keep talking. Communication, as these women will tell you, is key to a healthy relationship and working with a therapist is practically a necessity in my book for yourself and for your coupledom. While you ponder that, in the meantime, you can find information and insights on our blog at itsovereasy.com. Tap the subscribe button on the podcast and tell all your friends too as well. And you can also ask me anything at It's Over Easy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or leave a comment on our Insights blog. And we'll discuss this season right here on the Divorce Sucks podcast, hosted by me, Laura Wasser. Thank you. And remember, it doesn't have to be that way. 